this happened to me back in middle school. I had a pretty normal school life up until this. I got good grades for the most part, other than struggling in math. I made and had a lot of friends, as well as enemies, and I had a fair share of teachers that I enjoyed and others I couldn't stand. Our middle school included 6th through 8th grade, and this started taking place my 7th grade year. We ended up getting a new science teacher that came from another state. She was pretty cool though, and pretty for that matter. She had long, dark hair that she usually kept down. If anything, she used a pen or a pencil and twisted the hair around it to keep the sides from falling in her face, but that was it. Even when it was really hot or super windy, she never changed it. She also always wore the same style skirt. My friends and I actually joked about her closet probably being filled with the exact skirt in like 20 different colors. She even seemed to have a few festive ones. Christmas, Easter, Valentine's, and Halloween. I wonder now if she made them all since they were all identical. Anyways... Other than her choice of style, though, she was very nice, and she always clicked with the students. She was able to joke and tease with all of us. Even the so-called class clowns couldn't get her upset. She would always have a comeback and was able to get the class right back on track. Everyone seemed comfortable approaching her with questions about assignments or whatever we were learning as well. All in all, she was just a normal teacher that wasn't uptight and treated us like humans. There was another reason that I particularly liked her, though. I was a bookworm. Most of my free time, you could find me with a book in my face. I loved contests on how many books you could read within the year and things like that, and when she started working at my school, she asked if anyone would be interested in a book club. I was immediately all for it, as I realized we didn't have one at the school before, and of course, I thought it was a great idea. When she hung up a sign-up sheet, she approached me after class and asked if I would be interested in being the spokesperson, or club leader, since she could attest to how much I read. I, again, agreed. So, after school... We got permission to hang out in the library, and we brainstormed ideas on what books to choose from, when we should meet, and our goals for how much of the book we were supposed to have read. Things like that. All in all, we had about a dozen people sign up for it, and most of them showed up. We read a few chapters, would meet up and discuss what we thought so far, what we thought was happening or supposed to happen, hidden meaning and significance, and so on. It was a lot of fun, and I actually got to know some students that I had never talked to before, and some that I didn't even know were interested in reading. Then there was the teacher. I started becoming closer to her as well. I found myself hanging out in her room after class, and helping her with things like picking up, laying things out on the desks, and so forth. She would even give me passes to my next class without getting in trouble or being counted as late or absent. People definitely had their fair share of jokes, though. I'm a guy, so they would tease me about having a crush on her or something, but it was honestly never like that. 
I looked at her as a trusting adult, like a big sister or an aunt, which I only had a baby sister at the time and two aunts that I hardly knew, so I suppose it filled a gap there. Anyways, so middle school went as normal as I would expect for the time. Then, there was one day that I had to stay late for something unrelated to her or the book club. It was for some project that I was working on with the other people in my group. One of the teachers or the librarians told us they were going to be locking up, so we had to leave. We were pretty much done at this point, and were just goofing around, so... I think they were just ready for us to leave so that they could. Looking back, I kind of feel like an ass, so if they were ever to see this, I do apologize. So we all started heading out, and one by one, people were picked up or got on their bikes and left. I had told my mom I was going to be there until a certain time and to pick me up around, say, 6pm. However, I didn't plan this out very well. I didn't have a phone at the time, nor did I think about calling before we got locked out. So I was going to be waiting for about half an hour before she came and got me. I just did what I did best and sat on the steps and read while I was waiting. In the midst of reading, a car stopped in front of me and someone hollered for me. It was the same teacher. She asked me what I was doing, and I told her I was waiting for my ride. She said that she would take me home instead, though, if I wanted to. I declined, and I told her my mom would be there soon, so it wasn't a problem, and I thanked her for the offer. She then pushed it and said that it was supposed to storm soon, and assured me it wasn't a problem since I lived close by. I knew that was true because my mom had mentioned it earlier that day, so... I finally agreed and got in the car. I remember her car being really weird for the type of person that she was. For being organized and clean, her car had trash everywhere. She threw stuff that was in the front seat into the back, which included an old dingy coat that, once again, I couldn't see her wearing. She also had her hair pulled up in a messy bun. She just seemed like a completely different person. It was a bit awkward being in a teacher's car, but thankfully I really did live close, so it didn't take long for me to get home. She pulled into our driveway. I thanked her and she left. My parents had met her and the other teachers before, so they trusted her too and understood why I would get a ride from her. This would happen a few other times during the school year, and she actually started giving me a ride home when we had our book club. However, it was never not weird that her car was still a mess. It wasn't even a situation of she just hadn't cleaned it in a while, and then just finally did, especially knowing that she was giving someone a ride home at least once a week. It was always a mess, and there was always some weird clothing or trinket in it. I remember a jacket, some kind of colorful headband, there was a stuffed animal at one point, just weird things like that. But as time went on, I got used to it and it stopped bothering me. But there was one time that I just could not shake this feeling. I stayed late because of some project I had to do, 
and I needed to use the library encyclopedias. But I'd forgotten that it was a holiday weekend and that the school wasn't going to be open late that day. So, once again, I was left to wait for my ride. I was able to call my mom in the office, though, but she didn't answer, and I just left a message, hoping she would see it soon so I wouldn't have to wait too long. I went outside to wait when something put me on edge. I kept looking around to see if there was anyone or anything, but there was nothing. That's when the teacher pulled up in her car, as usual, asking if I needed a ride. She looked as she normally did this time, though. Her hair was down, and as I approached her car, it was spotless. Something wasn't right. I suddenly started feeling sick to my stomach, and I declined her offer. She again insisted and said it wasn't a problem, but I told her I wasn't feeling well, and that I didn't want to risk getting sick in her car. Thankfully, she agreed, and she said she would swing back by in about an hour or so, and if I was still there, she said she would take me home. So I just agreed so that she would leave. After she was gone, that sick feeling went away, but I still felt uneasy. My mom arrived shortly after, and once I was home, I started feeling normal again. I had no idea what happened. She was there the next day, too, so I could at least confirm she was okay, leaving me without any ideas. The weirdest thing to happen after that incident, though, was that she seemed to distance herself from me after that. She hardly talked to me, or asked me for any help, after classes, and actually said she wouldn't be able to give me rides home anymore due to other obligations that she had. It wasn't a big deal, since she was doing it to be nice anyways, but it was still just weird. I would see her drive by without even looking at me. There was one major event, though, that occurred that year. One of the students in my grade actually went missing. I didn't really know them outside of the classes that I had with them, but it was still a crazy time. Plenty of rumors or theories that went around... Runaways, kidnapping, hiding in plain sight, all kinds of weird things. I remember it being a really strange time, and some of the things that people would say just seemed really harsh, and being an adult now with a kid of my own would make me furious to hear my kid being talked about like that. Anyways, he was never found by the time that we finished the school year. We had our summer vacation filled with somber and mystery, and returned to school the following year. This time, we were still missing a fellow student and a teacher. That teacher that we all seemed to become close to, the one that gave me rides home, wasn't there. Another teacher told me that she just quit, though, and we moved on from there. The rest of middle school was kind of weird, with the student never being found, and it wasn't until high school that we would finally have some closure. My junior year, one day we were having class as normal, when we noticed a lot of teachers seemed distracted, talking amongst themselves privately, and just all around seemed on edge. When I went home, I noticed my parents seemed to be doing the same, and thankfully, they have always been very open with me and my sister. We sat down, and we talked. 
And they asked me if I remembered the student that went missing, and I confirmed. And they explained that he had been found. Where had he been this whole time? With our old teacher. She was found several states over with a kid that looked malnourished. She had apparently been linked to the last person he was with, and they'd been looking for her ever since. And as the rumors and talking went around the school, we were able to start piecing things together too. He got a ride from her, but instead of taking him home, they fled. I heard the cops searched her house and found other kids' belongings, so there may have been multiple, but there was never any information released on that. And that got me thinking back to my experience with her. That one day that she was going to give me that ride, and I was overwhelmed with anxiety or whatever else, did I save myself from a bad situation? And the fact that she avoided me afterwards... Was it because she was suspicious of me too? And then the weird things in her car. Maybe they weren't even her things to begin with. We knew that she came from a different state, so then there were also rumors about kids that had gone missing in the states that she came from but were never found. It was a terrifying thought, and there were a lot of unanswered questions. My parents made a rule from then on, and that was that we were not allowed to go with anyone else, unless they approved it for each specific time. We weren't even allowed to go with neighbors, or even family members, people that my parents knew well and trusted. But I really can't say that I blame them. I would have never expected it from that teacher either. Thankfully, she is still incarcerated, And if she does ever get out, we can rest assured that she will never teach again. So, I've been wanting to submit this for some time, but it's still always heavy in my mind, so it's taken me a while to put it into words. I will say that I won't be too detailed, But it is a sensitive topic, so pre-warning for you and anyone who hears this. Anyways, this happened to me while I was in college. I wanted to go out of state to get out and see what other states had to offer and just be on my own. I thought it was a great idea for the longest time, too. I wasn't in a relationship at the time, and I hadn't been in one in a while, and all my other friends had plans so I wasn't really worried about leaving anyone behind. Not that I didn't keep in contact anyways, because I did, of course, and I usually went home during the holidays. My first year went as well as I expected. There were a lot of assignments, a lot of drama, and people breaking into dorms and pulling pranks. I tried to keep to myself, but that didn't last long. I had a few people that tried to get me involved in parties and things like that, which I would partake in at times. They were fun for the most part. I've learned college students drink way too much. I did drink quite a bit, but I was always able to get home myself. Without driving, of course. I was always afraid of getting drugged, so 
I always got my own drinks and just kept a hold of it. However, that didn't mean that I didn't get a little wild at times. I believe it was for Mardi Gras. There was a huge party at someone's house, and someone invited me to it. Once there, I had a few drinks, sang some karaoke, and just hung out talking with people. Now, we're all adults. No matter how much some people didn't act like it, so we weren't really doing anything wrong. These parties also tended to be open to anyone that may be walking by. That may include teachers as well. We did have a few teachers show up and just hang out. We had a few that drank with us and shared hilarious stories about their pasts, and there may have even been the occasional hookups. Again, we were all adults, so it didn't really matter to any of us. And that's kind of what got me in this mess. I had this teacher, he was a psychology teacher, Mr. Thompson, but I'll call him Quentin. It's less weird that way. He always seemed like a pretty chill guy. Easy to get along with, easy to talk to, and he was pleasing on the eyes, too. He was a little older, though. I don't remember the exact age, but I think he was late 30s or so. I always enjoyed talking to him, though. He was kind and sincere, and a couple of my girlfriends that I had met there teased me that he definitely had a thing for me, so I guess that that kind of stuck in my head, too. I wasn't very good with taking hints or flirting, so I'm definitely not the type to initiate. If you had ever met me in real life, you might think that I was stuck up, but I promise it's just my dumb brain. Anyways, who would show up to this party, you ask? Well, Quentin, of course. It was actually the first time that I had seen him at one of these. He just came over and joined in on the conversation and started drinking with us. After a while, it started getting a little more hectic. People were getting creative with their drinks and their stunts. And when some of them started fighting, I decided it was about time for me to go home. It was just going to be me, so Quentin offered to walk with me. And like I said, he was a nice guy, so when the flirting and the compliments started, it wasn't hard to get him to come into the empty dorm. Yeah, so what you're thinking definitely happened. He left that night, though, because technically, teachers probably shouldn't be sleeping in the dorms. The next time that I had his class, though, things were a bit awkward. While it was consensual, the school did have rules, so it's not like we could outwardly be in a relationship. So after class was over, he asked me to stay behind. He was still cool about everything, and he asked me how I was doing. After some really awkward small talk, he got to the point. He said that he really wanted to have more with me, but he couldn't risk his job for a relationship. I understood, though, and we went on with our days. I thought that I had a great time and will forever hold this a secret, but apparently that is actually what he was counting on. It wasn't long after that that he again asked me to stay behind. When I approached him, he immediately groped me, 
and then tried kissing me. And that was definitely unexpected, so I didn't know what else to do but kind of push him back and ask him what the hell he was doing. We were in the school, so even if he had changed his mind, this was not the place for it. He then said that he couldn't afford a relationship, but he needed more. So, back to his place we went. Afterwards, he made comments about how I was set for life, and to explain it quickly, he said I could do anything I wanted with my body. I was kind of thrown off by this comment, because it was unlike him to be blunt like that. I understood more when we took a test in his class, and mine already had an A on it, but I hadn't taken it yet. He winked at me when I looked up and noticed it. This, though, I was not comfortable with. I didn't mind the relationship, but I did not like it for an easy pass. As much as it might not have seemed like it at times, I took my classes very seriously. So I talked to him afterwards, and I told him that I didn't want any special perks like this, and I wanted to get my grades on my own. Surprisingly, he agreed though, so I thought that would just be the end of it and it would be left there, but no. Instead, I started getting worse grades. I did everything as normal, and we even saw each other occasionally outside of class, but yet I got a D on the assignments. When I confronted him about it, he then smiled and said, Well... You want to earn your grades, right? And he had this just awful smile. I didn't understand because nothing had changed, but now I felt like I was being used. He then explained that he wanted something more. So, being naive and scared for my grades, I went back to his house with him. He just wanted me to play out something. Sure enough, That previous assignment turned back into an A. I confronted him again about this and said that I was not okay with it. It turned into a fight, and I suggested that maybe we should forget anything ever happened, and just go back to how things were, but that was the first time that I saw a different person. And it was terrifying. He told me that this was all my fault that it started, and if I wanted to pass... I would do what he wanted, when he wanted it. Thus began my struggles with myself and depression, and trusting people. It was no longer something I enjoyed, or even something I could have benefited from, but something I feared, and felt obligated to do in order to pass this class. It was one of my favorite classes too, and at this point I despised it. He even took pictures at one point, using it as a means to blackmail me. I became withdrawn, and people started to take notice, too. I was so afraid to tell anyone, though, in fear that he would spread those photos, or that I would just get expelled. There was a strong breakthrough for me, though. I finally broke down one day to my sister, as I knew that she wouldn't say anything unless I told her it was okay, 
and she explained that I either needed to report it as, even if I got expelled, it was better than putting myself through this. But she felt due to the circumstances I wouldn't be expelled. So instead I confronted him and told him I was done, and if he tried to give me a bad grade because of it, I would report him to the administration. He wasn't phased by this though, and the next day, there were photos of me, granted my face wasn't in it, posted on the community board. It was humiliating and terrifying. I was looking around to see if anyone realized it was me. I felt I only had one option at that point, and that was to just drop out. I didn't know what to do, so I just stopped going to class. However, he had my number, so he would constantly call or text me, taunting me to come back or tell me how much I would have to make up for the missing assignments. Then, he would randomly be walking around the dorms like he was looking for me. I started feeling closed in, so I just moved out. The dorm was part of the tuition, so it was only a matter of time that I would be kicked out anyways, since I had stopped making payments. Thankfully, I had a friend that lived off campus, and after explaining to her that some things came up and I wouldn't be able to attend class anymore, she agreed to let me stay there until I figured out what I was going to do next. I didn't stay there long, because he was still close by, and I found out that he was pestering my friends, asking where I was. That then got them asking me why he was specifically asking. The rumors started flying, and things were getting pieced together, so I went back home. I went back to live with my parents. My sister lived nearby, so she spent a lot of time with me, so I stayed out of my head. She also convinced me to at least tell my parents what happened. Of course, they were confused and disappointed that I dropped out so suddenly, so I suppose it was only fair since I was going to be living with them. And they took it a lot better than I expected. My mother held me like a child again and comforted me, while my dad was the normal dad type and he became furious. He wanted to contact the school, but I told him not to, since I did start it consensually. I really just wanted to move on. But, to my surprise, while my parents promised to leave it alone, Quinton wouldn't. He managed to get my parents' contact information from what I assume was my emergency contact details through the school, and he actually showed up at their house. My mom recognized him immediately and started yelling at him to leave. I wasn't home, thankfully, as I was with my sister, but my mom called us to tell us to stay at her place for a while until they were sure that he wasn't around. I don't want to dwell on this too much, so... I'll just say that I couldn't avoid him forever. My parents and I had to file a restraining order just to keep him away from us. So, yeah. This has really caused a lot of trauma for myself. I never went back to school until last year. I did some online classes, and I'm now working on having the life and career that I wanted. I'm also seeing someone now, 
and I'm incredibly thankful for their patience and kindness with my weird habits. I just have to take it one day at a time. I do hope that he's not a teacher anymore, but since he's not afraid to go across the country, I would suggest avoiding any teachers named Quentin Thompson, and do your own schoolwork. some context. We live in a town on a river. We also use weed. We can't buy the Delta gummies here in our town, and the nearest place is in a crossroads gas station, about 30 minutes from us, across the bridge, in the next state. I got paid and wanted some gummies. My boyfriend said he would drive us up there to eat at the local diner, and then do our shopping in the morning. We left about 5am, and when we got done eating, the sun was up already. My boyfriend takes my card, and goes into the station. The story. We parked our pickup next to, from what I could see of him, an ancient old man in his pickup smoking a cigarette. Whatever, right? It's early, there's a diner, were surrounded by farms and in between a couple of big cities. So, I don't think much about other people being there. I sit and waited, and when I looked up, the old man had finished smoking, but he hadn't left yet. Again, whatever. They're busy, so maybe he's just waiting for a good chance to have plenty of time to leave. Like I said, he's ancient, his truck is older and smaller than my boyfriend's, so our windows aren't directly next to each other, and we were parked pretty close to the door. I suddenly got this really horrible gut feeling after a few minutes, and my gut isn't normally wrong, so I start looking for the issue. I don't see anything weird, but the old man is still there but he was moving around the front seat of his truck. He starts to open his door, which is directly next to mine, and that feeling gets worse. I'm trying not to stare and to stay calm, although I feel like I'm going to pass out. I think he was looking at me through his side-view mirror. I made sure the doors were locked and kept watching him out of the corner of my eye, with my hand on my door just in case. He stopped moving, and after a second, shut his door again. And then my boyfriend came out of the store and got in the truck. Thinking about it now, the old man probably saw him and realized he was coming for our truck, and then stopped whatever he was doing. Anyway, he laughed to himself, and when I asked, after we had started driving... He said he suddenly got the idea to fight that old man out of nowhere, and he was going to kick his door closed if he tried to get any further out of his truck. I told him what had happened just barely a minute before he came outside, and we joked about how weird it was that we were both ready to fight this old man at the same moment, but I'm high now and thinking about it again, I'm really weirded out.
not sure if this is creepy to anyone else, but it sure did spook my friends and I. My friend tells me that she has some news and she wants to tell me about it. She was pregnant, so I'm assuming it's something about the baby. Her and her boyfriend, who is also my best friend, pick me up and we go to get some food. For context, we live in a very big city, and usually go to the inner parts of the city to get some tacos. The neighborhood is pretty ghetto, but not altogether dangerous. We're used to eating around the area, so it's nothing we thought twice about. We pulled into a parking lot that has many cars, the taco spot that we went to was on the street corner, and it was pretty popular. My guy friend asks us what we wanted, and said that he was going to go get the food and leave me and his girlfriend in the car so that we could talk. I assumed it was something serious, as we usually stick together. She proceeds to vent to tell me that she had a miscarriage, and that she feels pretty sad about it, as she was really happy she was going to be having the child. Now, keep in mind... The parking lot was filled with cars, but most of the cars were either empty or had people eating inside of them. There was a parking spot that was empty right next to us. As I begin to comfort my friend and tell her how sorry I was for her, we see what seems to be a Mercedes pull up next to us that was pretty new. We thought nothing of it and continued our conversation. We noticed a man get out of the car and he seems to be dressed similarly to Johnny Depp in the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. As my friend continues to tell me about what she plans to do next, this random guy who, not but two seconds ago, just parked next to us, begins to knock on our window. Being from the city, and having to deal with random crackheads and strangers pretty often, my friend and I just told him to go away and that we didn't have any money even though the guy looked like he had money. Just as we tell him to go away, he starts speaking to us in Spanish, saying, ¿Y el bebé? Meaning, and the baby. My friend and I glanced at each other in complete confusion, not knowing how this man knew the subject of our conversation. We had tinted windows, so he couldn't really see us as it was in the late evening but he begins to cuff his hands and put it to the window so we can see inside of the car. My friend is literally staring at him, and he continues to ask us questions like, where is the baby, and how is the baby, in Spanish. My friend and I are really confused, and she just looks at me with this dumbfounded look that I've never seen before from her. She tells him that he can go screw himself in Spanish, and as she starts cursing at him, he starts trying to open the door. Thank God our doors were locked. Just as I was about to start heading to the door to unlock it so I could confront him face to face, my friend holds me back and says, Wait, I think there's something wrong with him. I was about 5'10", 22 years old, and I weighed about 200 pounds. This guy was about 5'6", and middle-aged, so... I knew I could have taken him. Just as my friend is trying to hold me back, my guy friend comes back with the tacos in hand. 
He's about 6'2 and weighs about 230. Being that my friends and I are punks, we obviously dress a certain way, and some people get intimidated by it. The guy that was trying to open the door seemed to have gotten intimidated by my massive friend, and got in his car and drove off as my guy friend looks on in confusion about what had just happened. He gets in the car, and we start to tell him about what had happened. Now, his girlfriend and I have played pranks on him in the past, just to mess with him, so my guy friend is a little skeptic about if we're telling the truth or not. He tells us maybe this guy overheard our conversation and was on crack, and started to ask us random questions about the baby because that's what we were talking about. She explained to him that that was impossible, because the second that he parked, he got out of his car and started to knock on the door, asking us about a baby. My friend and I could not have been talking that loud for him to have heard our conversation. Not only that, but she wanted to talk about something else so she could stop crying about her miscarriage. So, there was absolutely no way that that guy could have heard us talking about her baby. Now that my girlfriend is more visibly upset, her boyfriend starts to believe us, and says maybe the guy was confusing us for someone else. We sat there for a bit trying to figure out how that was possible, that this random man came out of nowhere and automatically started talking about a baby. Coincidence? Possibly. It was definitely a weird night for all of us. We start to head home. I don't usually scare too easily, but... The situation did shake me up a bit. My head started to race with thoughts of every possible situation. I know this might not be inherently creepy, but I still wonder to this day about that night. How could he have known about my friend's miscarriage? He probably didn't, but then why talk about a baby? Why pull up into the parking lot? and go crazy on us for no reason trying to look for a baby, and then drive away as if nothing happened. About a year has passed since that has happened, and me and my two friends still talk about the incident to this day. We never saw that man again, needless to say, and we never went back to that taco spot again, even though the tacos were really good. When I was in high school, my friends and I got really into exploring abandoned places. We used to research places along the East Coast, and drive during the summertime to check them out, and take cool pictures. This one time, a kid we knew in my buddy's class told him about this abandoned mental asylum in Maryland. That was really cool because, unlike most places... It was a five-building complex with a large center building that was three stories tall. I forgot the name, but if anyone knows what I'm talking about, feel free to share. Naturally, this piqued our interest. So, that weekend, we told our parents that we were going on a fishing trip to Maryland, and all six of us road-tripped to go see this place. We started out by checking out the smaller building in the complex when we first got there, and slowly made our way around the area to look out for security. To give a sort of a layout of the asylum, 
all the buildings connected to each other aside from the main building and the church that was behind it. So, as we entered the first building, we decided to pull a Scooby-Doo and split up to cover more ground. I got paired with a kid in the group that didn't really want to be there to begin with, and we went down to the basement of the building. As we went down, I saw that there was a crude doorway near the staircase that was out of place from all the other large hallways upstairs. I convinced the guy I was paired with to check it out, on the condition that I went first. The layout of this room was kind of like a ramp, so if you kept walking back, it would get closer to the ceiling and a lot darker. We had one flashlight, which I gave to my friend, and I was using my phone's flashlight. So, as I walked in, I naturally got drawn to walk straight back while my buddy went to the left side instead. I remember saying to him as we were inside, Damn, this place smells like crap. And when I turned around, the guy I'm with speed walks towards me and says that we need to leave. Now. Thinking he was just scared, I didn't argue with him, and we left. And I didn't think much of it for the rest of our time there. Later that week, my friends and I are at a party, and we're telling people all about the asylum that we had just explored. I start telling people about the main building, and the guy that I was paired up with comes by to hear what we're talking about. As I start talking about the basement and the room we were in, he pauses the story. He then tells me that there was a reason he made us leave so fast. It was because, as I was saying that the place smelled like crap, he saw the left side of the room had furnaces and piles of old shoes and white medical patient clothing. We were in the morgue, and I had no idea. This took place last month, on the 24th, in a sushi restaurant in Columbus, France. My ex and I decided to go eat dinner in this small sushi place that we would often go to. We're on good terms and we still see each other from time to time. We sat down near the entrance, and I was facing the window. We had just started eating when a group of four 17-year-olds came in, and sat at the table next to ours. They began having a conversation about some weird guy they had encountered on their way to the restaurant. Apparently, he had a problem with one of the kids, who I'll call Tom. I don't remember much about what they said, except that the guy claimed he would come back for Tom. Tom had a motorcycle helmet, which he had put on the table next to him. This is important for later. I didn't think much of it and carried on eating. I don't remember how many people were there, but I would say that there were around 15 people. A few minutes later, I notice a guy at the window and I hear the kids say, Holy crap, that's him! The guy was at the window, angrily gesturing Tom to come outside. Since Tom wasn't coming out, the guy opened the door and told him to come outside. 
Tom provoked him, telling him, Baise ta mère, go F your mother, a common French insult. Then, the guy let go of the door, pulls out a knife from his pocket, and charges at Tom. As soon as I saw the knife, my heart dropped. As the guy tried to stab Tom, he grabbed his helmet and strikes the guy with it. A fight breaks out in the middle of the restaurant, breaking everything. Our table was flipped, every plate and soy sauce container got smashed on the floor, everyone started panicking but no one could leave as it was a very small restaurant and they were fighting in front of the entrance. So, everyone backed up in the corner behind their tables. Me and my ex did the same. I kept telling my ex that we were getting the hell out of there, while she kept calling my name in panic, too scared to move. Realizing we couldn't leave, I just shielded her, staring at the fight. Tom and the guy were on the floor, Tom on top, the guy striking him in the back. I seriously thought that I was going to helplessly watch a 17-year-old get stabbed to death before my eyes. I was glued to the scene, fearing the sight of blood. Thinking Tom was getting stabbed repeatedly, I eventually turned around to my ex and put her head to my chest, telling her not to look. Two dads ended up breaking off Tom and the guy. One was this super muscular no-business dad, and the other one was a smaller papa bear type dad. The crazy guy was pushed out of the restaurant. He kept saying that he was 47 years old, with kids, and that he would kill Tom. The owner instructed us to pull down the roll-up security gate, since we were the closest to the key on the wall that controlled it. All of us were now safe inside the restaurant. It was a complete mess. Food, sauce everywhere, tables all flipped and pushed to the side. The buff dad who broke off the fight was here with his wife, baby, and four-year-old daughter who was bawling her eyes out. I felt so bad for her, having to witness this at such a young age. A couple had called the cops who arrived probably three to five minutes later, since the station was a two-minute drive from the restaurant. Cops entered the restaurant and started inspecting and asking questions, and they went to see Tom, who got out of the altercation without a single scratch. Turns out, the guy's knife was really cheap, and when Tom struck him with his helmet, it had knocked the blade off the handle. The dude had kept hitting Tom with the back of the handle, hence why I thought he was stabbing him. Tom didn't seem affected by the situation at all. He had this smirk on his face. It felt like another day in the office for him. He looked the delinquent type, but still, I had expected him to be a little more affected by the situation. Either way, I was glad that he was okay. The cops took us outside and started getting our statements. Midway through our statements, we all noticed that a good 20 meters away... The cops had arrested the guy and were interrogating him. They eventually took him to the station. Tom and his friends explained the situation and what had happened before they entered the restaurant. According to them, the guy was just leaning on a light pole close to where he was arrested, and when they passed by, 
Tom had made eye contact with him. The guy then tried to intimidate Tom by doing that sudden head movement toward him to make him flinch. I don't know what it's called. Tom didn't react, and just looked at him, which drove the guy nuts, who then said he would come back for him. I honestly think they were telling the truth. From what I saw, the guy definitely looked like the type to want to kill someone just for looking at them the wrong way. The second dad who broke off the fight, the Papa Bear one, was a sweetheart through the whole thing. He tried to talk to everyone, and he comforted the four-year-old girl, which was really nice to see. I think that she'll be fine. She quickly stopped crying and referred to the guy as Le Voyeur, the robber. She's obviously too young to understand, and I'll hope that she forgets this ever happened. The cops let us go after getting our information. They never called us, so I don't know what happened to the guy. Since the cameras in the restaurants were fake, they'll have to make do with our statements. And since we all had the same version, I hope this maniac is locked up for attempted murder. This happened a few years ago, about when I had just turned 14. There was this dog who always would escape their owner's home. They were a dachshund. One day, the dog was in my yard when I got home from school. At the time, I had no idea who the owner was or where the dog came from, and I wanted to make sure that he stayed safe. My mom and I debated for a small while, and we decided to just keep him until we could find the owner. And, because of his color, we named him Coffee for the time being. So, every day, I let Coffee out to use the bathroom. Most of the time, I would let him out in the afternoon to use the bathroom, and most of the time he never came back. And, being the kind-hearted young man that I am... I always went out before or when it was dark to find him. It didn't take me long to realize that he would take a specific path to get to, what I now assume, is his owner's house. But, because at the time I wasn't really sure it was his owner, I would take him back to my house. So, one night, I went out of my house and called Coffee's name. And, like usual... He didn't come back, so I decided to go find him. I took the route that I knew I would find him on, which was to take a right on the road right in front of my house, and to take the first right. Then, coffee was usually right by the stop sign down that road. So, without much notice, I just left my house and started walking down the road. As I get around halfway to where I'm supposed to turn... I start to hear guys talking about some controversial stuff. I don't understand why men wear all that makeup. It makes no sense. Yeah, and I don't think men should wear purses and something else, foggy memory. Now, I myself am gay, but I'm a pretty chill guy. And I understand that people have their own opinions, and that's okay. Still, though... 
the conversation made me feel a little weird. As I got closer to the two guys, one of them speaks to me. Hey, baby, one of the men said as if trying to assert dominance, trying to make me feel as though they are of a higher value than me. I froze in my tracks and slightly glared at the men. They were on the opposite side of the street. Because the only light source at the time was the moon and the street lamp at the point where I was supposed to turn, I wasn't able to see the men very well. I was able to make out that one of them was wearing a cap and that the other man was bald. Both of them were smoking and I was able to tell that they were drinking. Hey, baby, the man in the cap said again in the same tone. The bald man immediately lets out a chilling dry laugh that struck me with a slight fear and left me feeling uneasy. A little startled but mostly confused, I didn't say anything to the men. Are you looking for your doggy? The man in the cap said in a low tone, again accompanied by his friend's chilling laugh. Though the pit in my stomach grew, I somehow got the courage to finally speak. Uh, yeah, he ran away again. I said in a surprisingly calm tone, I see you come out here every night. This comment made the pit of my stomach grow, because I know for a fact that every time I come out to find coffee, the men in the truck that accompanied them were never once at that house. He continues talking about things that I can barely remember. All I can remember is the bald guy chuckling as he speaks to me. As the man continues talking to me, I slowly walk away from the men, nodding and acting like I'm paying them mind. Soon, the man stopped talking to me, and then wished me luck on finding my dog. I finally get to my turn, and I kid you not, the moment I walk under the streetlight, it bursts. At this point, I'm internally freaking out and not entirely able to think clearly, but Somehow I'm able to keep relatively calm. Stupidly, I didn't bring my phone, because the route to find coffee was really short, so I didn't think I would need to bring my phone. I finally got to where coffee usually is, and even whispered his name a few times, but to my surprise, he didn't come. I was debating what route I should take to get back to my house. There was another way to get back that didn't involve seeing those men again, but it's extremely dark and woodsy where I live, which means that there was a good chance I would bump into wildlife. So, I ended up deciding going back the way that I came, which was the shorter route anyways. But this time I ran through people's front yards stealthily and carefully, I passed by the men who hadn't seemed to move from when I first saw them. I finally got to my front yard, and I decided to look back at where the men were. They had just gotten their truck and went all the way down the road that I was on. I rushed inside and immediately told my mom what happened. She was slightly concerned, but just told me not to go back out at night again. Not too long after this... My mom called me and told me that she found out that there was one man residing in that home who was a registered pedophile. My mom urged me not to go back out at night or by myself again, and I agreed. 
I'm 17 now, and I have my driver's license, and I do still live in the same small town where this incident took place. I drive by that house where I saw the men at every time I go out to get groceries. The weird thing is that there is never anyone at that house. Sadly, I don't know what happened to Coffee. I never found him after that night, and I still think of that night from time to time, thinking what would have happened if I was younger or didn't play my cards right. Or also, why exactly did that street lamp turn off the moment I walked under it? I have a creepy story that comes from a perspective that isn't frequently offered when it comes to these kinds of scary stories, and that is from the perspective of the teacher instead of the student. I was a high school teacher for about five years, and I started out teaching freshmen, which is kind of where I wanted to be. My last two years of teaching high school, though, I was actually moved into teaching half-freshman classes, and the other half was senior level, which meant people that were 17 and 18 years old. This may not sound too bad, but I was a 27-year-old woman, and I honestly didn't want to be in a room with a bunch of pre-adults that were all going to look at me, see how young I was, and just tear into me with some disrespect. That may sound like a real boomer mentality, but it's true. When you're a public school teacher, if you're less than a decade older than your students, it's like they can sense that, and they think you're not really worth their respect. That's actually why I liked teaching the young ones, the freshmen, because they were all so new to the world and were easy to mold into respectful students. Of course, there are outliers on both sides of that. Not all 17-year-olds are rude, and not all 14-year-olds are easy to work with. But it's what I had mostly seen while I was teaching at the high school. My first day of teaching the high school students, I could easily see who was going to be a problem. I won't use any real names, and I'm not going to give any information on my location, but I will say that there were a couple of guys that were clearly friends and I knew they were going to be a problem from the start. I'm just going to come up with three names and call them Sean, Mark, and Dave. Mark and Dave were troublesome, but they were more on the quiet side. Sean, however, was aggressively disrespectful to pretty much everyone. He was loud, rude, and disruptive, and I could tell that I was going to have a problem with him. That said, I'm also one to try to make the most of things. So, I just planned to address the problems as they came up, and they certainly came up. I wrote Sean up several times in the first few months of class, much to his aggression and disappointment. Every time I would finally hit the point where I was sending him to the office with the write-up, he would make as much of a scene as he could mostly to rile up the other students and to make me mad. I never really gave in to his immature BS, and I would typically just send him out, call the office, and move on. 
There was one point where he crossed a line beyond what I ever truly expected. And I think it was kind of the crux that pushed the situation into what it became. Now, I knew that he was a problem, sure, but I just never expected him to push his disruptions to the level that he did. I was done with my lecture, and I had given the class the assignment. I was walking from the front of the class back to my desk, and as I walked by him, Sean reached out and literally smacked my back end. Of course, he thought it was hilarious, but it had hit a point where even Mark and Dave weren't really finding it funny. I was immediately struck with a painful level of embarrassment and rage, and I turned and I screamed at him to get the hell out of my classroom. He was still laughing at the whole thing, and I was just livid. I literally reached over the desk and shoved his book off the table and just exploded at him. I don't remember what I said, but I recalled telling him that I would make sure he was expelled, and I think I called him a name or two as I was yelling. As this all unraveled, I just remember grabbing the phone on my desk and calling the office for a security guard, and him just turning back and laughing at me and saying something about how I would regret it. Again, I was just absolutely livid about this whole thing, and I was not going to let him just walk out and get a slap on the wrist and then come back the next day just to do it all again. I was not going to let him get the best of me in this situation, more than he already had. After the school day ended, I went up to the main office and I asked to speak with the principal. I got in, and I told him about the situation. I explained to him that Sean was a problem student, and that I could no longer deal with him, and that he had sexually assaulted me in class, in front of other students, because that's technically what that was, and honestly that it was all just the final straw for me. I tried to stay as calm as I could, but I also know that I was letting some of my anger through my statements. Unfortunately, the principal said that there wasn't a whole lot they could do to get him out of the school based on my reports alone, and an accusation of, as he put it, supposed sexual assault wasn't enough to warrant an expulsion. I kind of expected this to happen, I'm not going to lie. The school wasn't willing to risk booting someone on something like this, so... I made a very formal request to the principal. Remove him from my class permanently. I basically said that either he was removed, or I would have to talk to someone about my contract with the school, essentially threatening to bring the union in to terminate my employment with them. It wasn't a threat that I thought would really do anything, but it worked. He told me that he would take care of it, and that he would be given a supplemental class in place of mine. Basically, he would be sent to a study hall for the rest of the year, and he would not be allowed back in my classroom. That was about all I was going to get out of this, so I accepted it and decided to move on. During that class the next day, I apologized to my students for losing my composure, and while most of them seemed to be on my side with it, I still followed suit and told them that I was supposed to be a professional and that I was sorry. We got through class, 
no problem, and the day went pretty well. At least until the end of the day. At the end of the day, after all the classes were over, I was sitting at my desk and grading, as I often did, and then I heard my door opening. I looked over, and wouldn't you know it, it's Mark and Dave, immediately followed by Sean. If it would have just been Sean, it would have been too much, but and with all three of them, I was a bit concerned. Without giving him much attention, in hopes that he was just looking for me to get riled up again, I asked him why he was back in my classroom. He starts in, yelling at me, asking why I kicked him out of the class. I told him that his behavior was inappropriate, and that I wasn't going to tolerate the disrespect. It was then that I realized why the other two were there. They were blocking the door, and the window on said door. My room had no internal windows beyond that one. The rest faced out into the open space behind the school, so they were essentially both lookouts and a barricade-slash-blockade to the rest of the school. As soon as this hit me, I immediately pushed the call button to the office for security, and I yelled that I needed the officer to my room immediately. The whole thing felt like it played out in slow motion, almost. He was walking towards me with this evil glare on his face. I was sitting there thinking that this a-hole was going to literally kill me for kicking him out of my room and that there was no way security was going to get to the classroom in time from where they probably were. Thankfully, the teacher next door to my room heard me yelling about needing security. Honestly, a lot of it's a blur. It all went from him reaching into his pocket, to the door being thrown open, to the other teacher pinning Sean down and asking me if I was okay, and then yelling out into the school for someone to call 911. After it had all calmed down, I was pretty much told about the whole thing like I wasn't a part of it. Because I was so pumped full of fear-based adrenaline, I pretty much wasn't. They'd gotten into my room, I'd yelled at the office to get security there, and I was apparently screaming at him to not hurt me, which I don't remember that part. He'd pulled a switchblade or something like that from his pocket and he had actually taken a few swings at me, and he hit me once in the face. Thankfully, the math teacher next door had heard me screaming, and he shoved his way in and basically choked Sean out and pinned him down until the cops showed up. I wasn't seriously injured, thankfully, but I do now have a scar on my face from where he cut me. Thankfully, that was enough to have him officially expelled and also arrested. I have no idea if he actually did time, but I haven't seen him or heard about him since. The other two boys that were with him were also removed from the school permanently, though there wasn't a lot they could be charged with legally. I am glad that the other teacher had heard me and decided to take charge, because I was obviously thrown into a state of panic. And I don't think that I could have fought him off if he had been able to keep up the assault. I honestly believe that 
had the other teacher not intervened, Sean would have likely killed me that day. This isn't a typical scary story, but having a dream the other day about this kid made me remember something that happened so long ago. Back in the early 90s, when I was about 14, my parents moved to a new town because of my dad's work, transferring him to work alongside an Air Force base. His work was in aircrafts, so... He was offered several positions, and this one allowed our family to stay in the same state, but over 179 miles away. We moved into a nice, big, but older home. Compared to our previous home, it seemed like a mansion to us. As the new city, the homes were a lot cheaper, so my parents could afford a bigger home. There was a time period before we moved in that my parents renovated the house, but I would help, and during that time, I saw a kid that lived next door to us. He wasn't my age, but maybe a year or two younger. Coming from the town that I grew up in, all the kids in my old neighborhood knew me and were my friends, and we would always hang out, ride bikes, play ball and stuff, so... Seeing that kid next door was pretty close to my age. It made me a little less upset about the move. He seemed pretty cool. He was a skater-type kid. I was more a BMX bike kid, but I thought over time we would become friends. I knew he went to junior high, and I was in high school, but I didn't care. I just wanted someone on my block that was my age, as most of the homes looked like either retired or no kids kind of neighborhood. Shortly after we all moved in, I started talking with him. At first it was like, hey, what's up? And then it was a little more, like talking about music, video games, things that were cool to do in town, which there weren't many options. A couple times, I was outside doing chores like mowing the lawn, and he was out doing the same. I felt like we were starting to become friends. He also had another best friend that was always over. This friend was his age and went to his school, and I got the impression that they knew each other since elementary, and this kid lived a block or two away. One day, I got home from school and I saw the neighbor kid and his best friend outside playing, and I noticed they were throwing clumps of mud or dirt at each other. I saw that they were picking the clumps of mud from areas around the tree that was bordering both of our homes. I didn't want to play that, because I felt it was too... kitty for me. I went to my backyard and was working out, as I had a little gym set up on the side of my house. I saw that they were hitting the side stucco of our house. Knowing my dad, he would have been furious about that. So, I went from my backyard to the front yard and told both guys, Hey, you guys better stop doing that because my dad will get upset if you keep hitting the house, or worse, his Cadillac in the driveway. They yelled back, sorry, we won't throw them your way anymore. 
I just went back to my backyard and didn't think anything of it. The next day, I came home from school, and there were all these people standing outside. Some looked like family, some looked official like police. All the neighbors were outside, and a lot of people were crying. The neighbor kid's mom was crying almost on the floor. I ran inside to see my mom to ask what happened. She said there was some kind of accident, and that the boy had died in his sleep. I was like, oh my god, really? I felt so bad. Like, maybe I should have played with him yesterday. A little time passed after I was inside and looking out the screen door, and I noticed a cop coming over to my house. I believe my mom was there when I opened the door, and the cop said, I hear you were playing with the boys yesterday. He asks me to step outside as the house had a porch area with chairs and a table. He said, were you playing with the neighbor boy and his friends? I said, no, that they were playing with mud and that I didn't want to get dirty, so I went to work out in the backyard. I started to tell him about how I saw them throwing mud clumps at each other, and that I went over and told them not to throw them at our house, because a few hit the stucco, and I pointed to it. I said that my dad is very particular about the way the outside looks, and that I didn't want them to get in trouble. He asked me about the time, where I was, and he kept asking me, are you sure you didn't throw mud at them? I started to get uneasy about the way he was asking me. I said no, I didn't want to get dirty. He looked at me like he didn't believe me, and I said, Yesterday when I came home from school, I was wearing a black shirt and black jeans, so I didn't want mud all over them, but that I did change into shorts and an old t-shirt, and then went to work out. I pointed to the side gate as to show him that I had a weight bench, punching bag, and barbells. The officer kept asking me, so are you saying you did not throw mud or rocks at them? I said yes, I did not throw anything. I also told him that I didn't want the boys to get in trouble because my dad would have been really upset if they broke a window, covered our stucco with mud, or worse, hit his caddy. The cop says, I'm going to ask your parents to bring you in, if what you're saying doesn't match up. I said what is all this about, but he didn't say. My mom finally found out. The kid had gotten hit in the side temple with the rock, and not a mud clump. And then he went inside. He later complained that his head hurt, and his mom gave him some Tylenol, and he went to bed, and then never woke up. Apparently... A neighbor mistakenly saw me outside with them, probably when I was telling them not to throw mud at our house, and he told the cops that I was outside with them throwing mud. My dad was ready to beat the crap out of me, but he ended up believing my story, and my mom also said that I was on the side of the house, punching my punching bag. The cops finally got a statement from the other boy, who admitted that I was not involved and that I had told them to stop. They ruled the death an accident, and they didn't charge the other boy. So, the other night, I had a dream that I was back at the house and looked over, 
and I saw him playing in the yard like he was always doing. And he looked over at me and then looked down. I don't know what made me dream about him since it's been over 30 years. I always felt sad for him, but eventually stopped thinking about it as high school went on. So, why is this a scary story? As an adult, I now realize that, at the time, I was a person of interest in the death of a boy. The neighbor lady who saw me outside put me at the scene. If the other friend had lied and said that it wasn't him, I would have been the main suspect, and being older, probably would have looked to file charges against me. Lastly, I didn't really fit in in that neighborhood. I'm not white, and we lived in an all-white neighborhood. I dressed differently than nearly all the other kids. I was more into black, not emo, but was into looking like a greaser from the outsiders. So, that already made me look bad to the adults. Had things gone differently, who knows how my life could have been affected. I'm writing this on my phone, at work, and I'm still a bit shaken up. So, let me preface this by saying that I'm an overnight guard at a hospital. I've been here about five years or so. Overall, I've been working night security in various settings for about 12 years. Before that, I was a marine. My point is that I'm used to odd situations and the general bumps in the night. The hospital where I work has had its shares of weird stuff happen, as many old buildings do, but nothing too crazy. Tonight was different, though. Part of the job is patrolling and unlocking this one really old building, as in one of the first buildings in the city old. It's currently used as the College of Nursing, but at night it's deserted. Well... About 3 a.m. or so, it's peaceful. I won't say the Q-word. In the hospital, so I wander over to get the unlocks out of the way. I'm in this building a lot, probably two to five times a week, every week, for the last five years. I've gotten used to the creepiness, and honestly, I kind of like the quiet. Tonight was odd, though. As soon as I approached, I got this odd feeling in the pit of my stomach. It was that feeling of being watched by a predator. Anyone who spent time in the woods knows the feeling. Your hackles raise, so to speak, and your mind screams, get out of there. I stop outside and I scan the street behind me and the courtyard that I'm standing in. Nothing obvious, but I cannot shake the feeling. I go inside and lock the doors behind me, making a note to unlock them last. That feeling does not go away, though. As I'm walking the floors one by one, it only gets worse as I move towards the older parts of the building. Now, I know I am the only one in this building. I've been all through the first floor, and the entrances are locked up tight. You can only do that with the key. As I get into the upper floors, though, I start hearing things. 
It starts with footsteps. It's hard to tell because it's like they're matching my cadence. What gets my attention is that it sounds like hard-soled shoes. Not like the boots that I'm wearing. I turn back and search the halls, but there's absolutely nothing. Then I hear a door slam from the hall that I just came from. I run back. It maybe took me a few seconds to get to the door, but there was nothing. It opens to an empty auditorium, which I thoroughly search. Still nothing. At this point, I shrug it off, old building and all. Maybe the pipes were clicking and I thought they were footsteps. Maybe I missed a door being opened and it rattled closed as I walked by. I continued on with that feeling getting stronger and stronger. I'm in the stairs to the fourth floor, and I'm taking a second to breathe and mess with my phone. I hear a door below me slam shut, and the distinct sound of footsteps echoing in the stairwell. I pull my radio to call dispatch, and let them know someone's in the building. It beeps, telling me that the battery is dead, and that it won't call out. Well, crap. I call on my phone, and dispatch says that they'll send some guys. I wait, but I'm not hearing any more footsteps, no doors, no sounds at all. I walk all the way back down and back up to four, and I find no one. Now I'm second-guessing myself and anticipating the coming jokes on my behalf. I move along, figuring that I'll finish the last floor and work my way down, and meet up with the other guards. I open the door to the fourth floor, and everything is different. I'm not talking about a change in atmosphere or anything like that. I'm saying that the entire floor, which consists of old offices used for storage and whatnot, is completely different. White painted walls now have wood paneling, the clutter is gone replaced by old lab and medical equipment, filing cabinets instead of boxes. The biggest change? At the end of the hall in each corner are two leather-bound chairs and two men sitting in them talking to each other. They stop and look at me as I stand there, holding the door in stunned silence. I blink, and it's all gone. Right back to normal. I don't understand it. One second, it's completely different from the hundreds of times I've stepped onto that floor. Next second, poof, back to normal. Instinctively, I try my radio again, remembering the dead battery as I hit the button. And it works. I call out that I'm on the fourth floor and that I need units up here as I start to check through each office. Of course, everything's normal. When everyone gets there and... I'm still left wondering what the hell just happened. We finish checking the building, and I catch my fair share of bullcrap from the other guys. I go down to dispatch because I know that we have cameras on those floors, and I want to know what happened. I get to dispatch, and we review the cameras. We see the door open as I come in, and then the feed freezes entirely for about 8 seconds. Not necessarily unusual, but not very common, especially on those cameras. 
That tends to happen in more commonly traveled areas. So, the dispatcher, a man who's been here since grass first sprouted, asks me what I saw. I describe it to him, and he says, Weird, that's how it looked back in the 80s, before they redid the lower floors and those were all labs for the college. At this point, I'm just speechless, and I decide to save myself from further embarrassment and say that I must just be tired and seeing things. I know that's not the case, though. I'm wide awake, and I know what I saw. I know what I heard through the rest of the building, too. I just don't know how to explain it. Everyone has their weird experiences in that building, but man, this one really threw me. Right before I was to start my first year of middle school, I learned that we were going to be moving. However, our move would take me out of the school district that I was in, and since it was too far of a drive for my parents, that meant I would be going to a new school. I was already nervous about going to a new and bigger school, but now I was going to be going through it without my friends or familiar faces. So, once we got enrolled and all of our school supplies together, we went to the the meet-the-teachers conferences that they do. It was just me and my mom that went, as my dad stayed home with my two other siblings, so my mom asked a lot of questions and talked a lot. That did help some, as a lot of the teachers that I met seemed really cool. I was going to be taking two chosen elective classes, which were a shop class and a home ec class. The shop class I was really looking forward to, because it was woodworking, which is what I wanted to do in the other school. Home ec was basically cooking and sewing, which I wasn't huge on the sewing side, but the school didn't have a swim class like the other one, and at least we could eat the food that we cooked, right? Anyways, we met the teachers, found a classroom, and locker so that I could map out my path and not be late to class. Hopefully. So, the first day was alright. I remember struggling going to a few classes for a bit, but I wasn't late, thankfully. The woodworks teacher was really cool. He was definitely the type to try and fit in with the kids too, but he didn't overdo it, thankfully. The home ec and English teacher seemed pretty strict, which sucked, but it was whatever. They just didn't care for it when we screwed around in class or got off topic, but otherwise they were tolerable. The one I seemed to have the most issues with, though, was Mr. Stevens. And it's hard to say that I had issues with him, because it more so seemed like he had a problem with me. I know, that's usually a cop-out when a kid has issues in class, but I never had issues in any classes before. Even in math, which I struggled in at times. I still pushed myself to make sure that I got at least a high C. However, Mr. Stevens taught social studies, which I never really had a problem in, so that only compounded the issue. I remember on the first day specifically... 
He was optimistic and smiling while he introduced himself, and the rest of us did the same. We went through some normal questions like birthdays, siblings, favorite subjects, favorite food, just simple things like that. He pointed out someone when he remembered having their sibling in class, and basically teased that he hoped they behaved better or related to the others when certain subjects were mentioned. Then, it was my turn. I introduced myself by my first name and my last name. And he then interjected, lightly teasing me, saying, Oh, you're the kid with the mom that talked a lot, huh? This, of course, made the others chuckle. He then made a joke about how he felt he was the student being put on the spot with all of her questions, but then he made light of the situation, saying he hoped that we asked as many questions as her, so we would pass easily. So, at first, he really did seem fine, and even pretty encouraging to the class, but that wouldn't last long. It seemed like small things at first where he started seeming really uptight about the littlest thing. If I turned in a paper and the header was on the left instead of the right, or I left something off of it by mistake, he would give it back to me saying that it wasn't finished or something, and I would stare at it confused until I figured it out on my own. With the friends that I met, we would talk about it and... We all just laughed and joked that, you know, great, we have a really OCD teacher. Fine. So, I paid more attention to make sure that I didn't mess up the simple stuff like that. But then it seemed like he would find more reasons to give me bad marks. On the assignments that had uh, essay-like answers, he always seemed to mark mine as being missed, and his reasons would be anything from not enough information to just completely wrong. So, I really struggled with those questions, which only made my grade slip more. Then, it became more psychological for me. I would take a lot of notes as is, but I found myself doing it more in his class to make sure that I covered everything I needed. While I would be writing, he would call on me to answer a question on the spot, when I didn't immediately have an answer, or if I got it wrong, he would make a comment to the rest of the class, saying to not end up like me. He was always making comments like this, or he would throw a pen or something at me and it would just be embarrassing. But if he happened to call on someone else and they got it wrong, it was always, no, but good guess, and he would just move on. I was always the joke of the class. I even brought it up to some of my friends, and they thought it was weird too, but none of us could ever really pinpoint why I was targeted so hard. Then, I got really pissed off at one of the assignments that I did. Because my grade had dipped a bit in that class, he had included a part at the end of this packet for extra credit. It was basically over the next chapter that we would be going over in the textbook, so... I thought I might as well answer a few questions right from the book and hopefully bump my grade up a bit. Negative. It was like he set it up for me to fail. There were like five fill-in questions, and I got them all wrong. But the problem that I had with it was once again, he seemed to be very picky. Like, if the answer was, The Great Depression, 
and I answered it with great depression. I brought this up to all my friends, and one of them confirmed this as they had just put the depression and got it right. So we wanted to test this theory, and we devised a plan. The next assignment we had, we did it together, and we all put the same answers word for word, punctuation the same, everything. We even turned it in on the same day. Literally, the only difference was my name and handwriting. As you would guess, he got great grades on it, whereas the fill-ins, I managed to get a lot of them wrong, or half points or something like that. At this point, and with my friend's recommendation, I brought it up to the school counselor. I explained to them that I felt like I was being targeted, and after I explained everything, she asked me which teacher it was. I thought maybe we were getting somewhere, until she started basically explaining how, sometimes, students may feel that way when they see their friends succeeding and were not, and then suggested that I asked for an opportunity to bring my grade up, so again, making it seem like it was all my fault. I was at a loss on what to do from here, because if I couldn't get a counselor to see what was happening, someone that's supposed to be there for the kids, then who is going to believe me? So, I struggled to keep my grade up all the while stressing out and slowly shutting myself in. However, when we finished the first semester and our parents got to see our grades, my parents noticed the D pretty quickly and confronted me about it. I couldn't make excuses because my parents always saw right through them, and I just remember breaking down and crying, telling them what had been happening. I told them how I felt, like I had did something wrong, and that's when my mom seemed to have something click for her. She asked me which teacher it was, and when I told her, she said she would try talking to them and to keep doing as I normally do until then. That didn't seem to go over too well, because shortly after, I was actually pulled from that school. They enrolled me back to the other school and figured out a way to get me there. At the time, my mom told me that she agreed that she thought he was singling me out, and that she had gotten nowhere with the principal, so she didn't want me to go through that kind of environment. It was nice seeing old friends again, and going over things that I was already learning. Swim class was full, unfortunately, so I still got stuck with home ec. However, they did the sewing stuff first semester, so I got to take the cooking side of it twice. That is not where it's ended, though. When I was in high school, one of my friends from the other school contacted me and asked me if I had heard about Mr. Stevens. Turns out, a few female students came forward with claims that he offered to help them with their grades if they would do something for him. You can fill in the blanks there. Of course, the coward that he is, he just retired early. That year, actually. And nothing ever came of the accusations as far as I ever knew. I told my parents about this, and to my surprise, they weren't surprised. That's when my mom explained more as to why she pulled me from that school. On the day of the meet the teachers, he was hitting on my mom. 
quite obviously too. And when she said she was happily married, he seemed to try and avoid her or dismiss any further questions that she had. Then, when she went to have a meeting with him after school one day, he basically suggested that she do something for him to help me with my grades, making suggestive motions to her. She again quickly brought this up to the principal and the counselors, to which they said they had never had any complaints about Mr. Stevens before, and that they did not believe her. So, my mom, not feeling safe in this situation, pulled me out and made formal complaints to the school boards. She only ever got responses back about how we'll look into this and that's it. If it wasn't for the privacy of my family due to my father's job, I would call this school out in a heartbeat, but just know, Mr. Stevens, let's hope that you and I never meet again. And, by the way, I got an A in all my social studies classes after that. This story is quite long, but it will all make sense in the end. I was born in Fort Lewis, Washington, in February of 1980. My father was in the U.S. Army, so we moved to Fort Huachuca, Arizona, when I was about a year and a half old. After about a year, my father transferred back to Fort Lewis and finished his career there, until about September of 1983. After his time in the service ended, we moved to Montana where both of my parents were born and raised. They grew up in small towns, my father's being one of the smallest with a population of about 120 people. We moved there first and lived there for about two years, before relocating to another, larger town. I was the only boy in the family, with two half-sisters from my mother's previous abusive marriage, and two full-blood sisters, one younger than I. So, you can imagine the torture that I had to endure growing up, but that's irrelevant to my story. My parents were always trying to pursue better career opportunities, which is the reason for us moving around from a couple different towns. When I was in second grade, our school was next to the junior high school, aka middle school, so the playground was next to the track field that the junior high students would hang out at. After lunch, we were outside during our extended recess, and I was playing on one of the balance beams, which was sitting on stiff springs, to make balancing a bit more of a challenge. I looked across and noticed one of the female junior high students walking towards me, fairly fast and fairly aggressive. I didn't think anything of it because I was too busy playing. Without saying a word, she kicked me in the groin, twice and so hard that it lifted me off of the beam and I collapsed in agony. I started crying. She then kicked me in the stomach while I was down, and the playground monitors came up to her and demanded to know why she did that. She responded with, I don't like him. They asked if she knew me or what I had done to make her do that to me. In a disgusted voice, she snapped. Just look at him. He's stupid. 
The playground monitors demanded that she leave immediately, and they called the junior high school. I never heard anything since, so I'm not sure if this girl received any kind of disciplinary action. I noticed that as each school year passed, I was considered the ugly boy who girls always said ew as I passed, including the girls who weren't much to look at either, and sometimes would even push me and then try to pass my germs onto each other in disgust. I never bothered them, but this kind of treatment, or bullying if you prefer to call it that, became a normal routine. It started with girls and then moved up to boys. Bus rides were even worse. I would arrive home with bruises from the boys and scratch marks and sore heads from hair pulling from the girls. I guess going through this put me in a depressed mindset, which changed my behavior and made me even less pleasant to be around. I started walking with a hunch and never felt very good about myself. Eventually... My grades started declining because I started daydreaming about being at home and playing because it was the only time I felt happiness anymore. School was miserable, and I ended up getting held back and had to repeat a grade. Sometimes, I would try to fit in, but would only get rejected even more or even physically pushed. My friends were the only ones I was able to look up to, and they actually made me feel good about myself. After I started fifth grade, we relocated again to Helena, the state capital. I missed my friends terribly and had hoped that I would see them again someday. Helena was the town where we would finally settle. I was relieved to know that I would be away from those other kids who were mean to me, and I would be able to start fresh again. I was wrong the bullying, seemed to follow me, as though I was haunted, so I remained shy and chose to keep to myself. Through the remainder of the fifth grade, it started with girls again, but boys pretty much left me alone. I mainly dealt with rejection. I would ask girls I was interested in to the school dance, only to be rejected, and then insulted. My self-esteem was at an all-time low, and my grades were not the greatest, which caused me to be held back a second time, resulting in me repeating the fifth grade again. Here I was, two years older than the other kids in my class, lacking any kind of social interaction, which made me fairly awkward, so I decided to just accept it and became a loner. Once I started 6th grade, the female rejection continued, but I never had an issue with male students, since I kept to myself, and I always tried to be nice to everyone, who did attempt any kind of interaction. Girls would look at me with disgust while I was passing in the halls, one of them even said gross as I walked by. I never talked to any of them but due to the way that I was always treated before, I couldn't help but feel that maybe I deserved it, or that it was somehow my fault. I didn't believe I was really ugly, but since all the girls said I was, it must have been true. But I didn't deny that I was definitely scrawny. The most popular girl in school was also quite vicious towards me, and the only one among them who was willing to get physical. 
as I had my locker open, I was getting books out of my bag for my next class. Inside the locker, below the top shelf, was a hook for hanging your coat. After I grabbed the last book, I felt a hard shove on my back. The top of my head hit the hook, and I started bleeding. I instantly grabbed the top of my head and turned around to see the popular girl standing behind me with her arms folded. I shot her an angry look and asked her why she did that. She mouthed the words, You're so gross, and stomped off. Luckily, the wound was very mild and had only bled for a few seconds, so it didn't need stitching, but it remained sore for the rest of the day. Later on that day, a group of boys, the school tough guys, and approached me and informed them that Miss Popular had asked them to jump me, but they made it clear that they wouldn't because I was nice and they didn't want to. I thanked them, and then headed to my bus. But I never understood why girls found me to be so repulsive. I bathed regularly, and I know I didn't stink. I didn't even have acne. Since I chose to keep to myself, I never really had any friends. There were a group of boys who were not exactly angels or the best role models, but they were willing to take me under their wing. Yeah, they were considered a bad crowd, but it felt good to be accepted again. I hung out with them quite often, and eventually started displaying poor behavior. I stole cigarettes from my parents, vandalized mailboxes, snuck out, started getting involved with drugs, etc. Eventually, the trouble all caught up with me, and the law got involved. I was 15, and almost 16, and since I was a minor, I was put in the custody of the state, and I was sent to Billings, where I stayed at an all-male therapeutic group home. The group home was fairly strict, and you had to earn any kind of privilege, such as video games. The more serious you were about your treatment, the more privileges you earned. Boys that were not willing to dedicate themselves to their treatment, or acted like they didn't care, were transferred to a more strict facility, and the thought of that terrified me. So I remained focused and dedicated to my treatment. During my free time, I spent time lifting weights and playing video games. Eventually, I started putting on more muscle. It wasn't so much that you would notice at first glance, but enough that you would notice if you truly looked. I wasn't really scrawny anymore, and I actually gained some pectorals. <laughs> Shortly before I turned 18, the group home staff threw me a party to celebrate my success and stated about how much I had grown and changed since I first got there. I was released two days before my 18th birthday, and walked out with more pride and confidence than I had ever felt about myself before. My hunch was gone, and I had my confidence back. I said goodbye to everyone, exchanged hugs with some friends, one of whom cried as I was leaving, and then I got in my parents' car and rode four hours back home. Getting in trouble was a blessing to me, and it truly changed my life for the better. I was never very tall. I stopped growing at 16, and I'm only 5'8", but 
nobody teased me much about my height. After I turned 18, I got a job at McDonald's, but I never felt comfortable there because I just didn't feel like it was the job for me. I also noticed something else. Girls were not mistreating me. If anything, I got flirted with a lot. By a lot, I mean a lot. Apparently, many girls from school recognized me and treated me like I was the hottest guy they had ever seen. At this point, due to the way I was always treated, I took it as an attempt to prank me. So, I had no problem saying no and walking away. I didn't trust them, because their treatment of me left a bad taste in my mouth anyways. And fast forward to January, just before I turned 21, and I had joined the U.S. Army. My MOS was 13B, Cannon crew member, and I served in the 101st Airborne Division, 320th Field Artillery. During my time in the Army, women started to throw themselves at me everywhere that I went. In the beginning, I loved it. It was a new path in my life, so I knew that whatever was thrown at me was real, and I didn't have to worry about any bullies or pranks. I put on even more muscle and developed quite an athletic build. My PT score was over 300, and even though I didn't look like a bodybuilder, I definitely looked in shape. My veins bulged a bit, and my pectorals were even larger, which made me look sort of funny to others, because when I was walking normal, others would comment how I looked like I had a puffed-out chest. It was all in good fun, though. Apparently, I got more and more attractive. At first, I ate it up, but later, I started to get a bit tired of it, where I decided to be more reclusive and frequent the clubs less. Fast forward a couple of months, the 9-11 attack happened. We eventually went to war with Iraq, and then my time in service was ending, and I was sent back stateside for out-processing. I was honorably discharged with two Army Commendation Medals, an Army Achievement Medal, Good Conduct Medal, etc. Since my father's health was declining, I decided to go back home instead of re-enlisting. After I got home, I worked odd jobs here and there while finishing my eight-year contract in the reserves. I was still trying to find my place and a lot of the girls that I went to school with noticed me even more than before. The attention was so overwhelming, and I wasn't used to seeing these same girls, who had treated me so badly, all of a sudden treating me like I was the hottest man they'd ever seen. I started dating again, but never any of the girls that I went to school with. And I landed in a relationship that lasted for two years, but we eventually broke up. Fast forward to July 2016, and my father had passed away. Since he was a veteran, he was given a veteran funeral, and I saluted my father as an honorable soldier during the playing of taps and gun salute. My life felt empty, like a huge chunk of me got ripped out, and I eventually put on a little weight, but not much. Over time, I came to terms with his passing and lost the weight that I had gained, and was back to having that amazing body, as most women put it. Fast forward to where I am in my late 30s, and I got comfortable wearing athletic shirts. 
like skin tight under armor not for the appearance but because i find them to be quite comfortable i needed to get a new pair of shoes and i was wearing my tight gray under armor shirt i parked my car and was walking through the parking lot of the shopping district to famous footwear and an old beat-up truck stopped in front of me on the road that runs in between the stores and parking lot. I was about a hundred feet away, and I didn't think much of it until I looked ahead. Two young girls who looked like they were still in high school were in the truck and literally stopped to gawk at me. One of them yelled, Yow, like Joan Jett, and I love rock and roll. Then the other said, Can I have your number? I smiled and made a statement how, even though I was flattered, I was old enough to be their father. They looked shocked and said sorry, which I then politely waved as they drove away. The sort of attention became super normal to me at this point. Since there was no escape, I decided to just accept and roll with it. Fast forward a couple more years, and now I'm 40 years old. It was about 10.30pm, and after a long day at work, I decided to stop at one of the corner gas stations in town. I may be in shape, with very little body fat, but I had a bad nicotine habit. I was wearing my black Under Armour shirt and was waiting in line to get my cigarettes and my favorite drink, Mountain Dew, when this woman who looked to be between the age of maybe 27 and 30 walked in and was clearly intoxicated. She wasn't ugly, but she wasn't really attractive either. I'm sure that if she was wearing makeup, she would have looked halfway decent. She looked around, and then her eyes caught me. She walked, more like stumbled, up to me, and then started circling me, slowly, like a vulture. She was leaning back at the hip as though she had a difficult time keeping her torso balanced. She kept circling and moving her head up and down like she was scanning me. After the third time of being circled, I was getting a really uneasy feeling, and I eventually said, Can I help you? She stopped to the left side of me and grinned. Her look sent shivers down my spine. She kept her head still while her eyes continued to look me up and down. I'd never experienced this type of thing before, and it was quite eerie and unsettling. She then slurred her words and said, You are freaking hot. She then reached her hand out and touched my arm and said, Oh my god, you are so freaking hot. I uncomfortably backed away and said thank you, and then went back to staring straight ahead like she wasn't there, hoping that she would just go away. I then felt her hand touch my left shoulder and then gently run down my arm, which made my skin crawl. I politely asked, Would you please stop touching me? She said sorry, and then leaned in closer, and the stench of alcohol was overwhelming. She then slurred, I'm gonna give you some money, and you're gonna buy me something. I said, Like what? She said, In case you didn't know, I'm a little drunk, and I need some beer, but they won't sell it to me. They said I'm too drunk, so you're going to get it for me. I then said, if they can't sell it to you, then it would be unlawful for me to get it for you, and I'm not about that. She then put her right hand on the left side of my face, leaned into me, and tried hugging me with her cheek against mine. 
with her booze breath hitting my face, as she quietly said, Please, you're so hot, and I'll bring you home with me and do stuff. My hair stood on end, and I got the worst vibes from this girl. I then snapped, Okay, no, stop touching me. Get away from me. The other customers in line turned and shot me a combined look of shock and pity. The clerk then looked up. Ma'am, I need to ask you to leave the store. I already told you that I'm not going to sell to you, and now you're bothering the other customers. Without saying anything, she gave what appeared to be a sigh of sadness and stumbled out of the door. I finally got up to the counter and bought a pack of cigarettes, my drink, and then I walked out. After exiting the gas station, I took a left to get to my car. As I was walking, I heard footsteps behind me, but I didn't think anything of it since there were other cars parked near mine. I unlocked my car and got in. Just before I closed my door, I heard my passenger door open, which shocked me. I quickly got out while keeping my right leg in the car to see the drunk lady attempting to get in the passenger side of my car. Excuse me, I snapped. What are you doing? She gave me a look of confusion. Well, you're giving me a ride home. She then finished getting into my car. I knelt down. No, I'm not. You need to get out of my car. She then expressed how she had no way to get home. Regardless of the extreme uneasy feeling and unnatural behavior, I took pity and asked her where she lived. She made it known that it was in one of the housing complexes, which was literally at the end of the block. That pity that I felt, it left me, and I snapped. It's right over there. You can walk. She calmly said, No thanks, I'll ride. At this point, I got angry. Please, get out of my car. She then looked as though she was shocked and said, You want me to go? Yes, please, get out of my car. With a sad look on her face, she looked down and slowly opened the door and got out. I then finally relaxed and sat back in my car. I closed my eyes and gave a sigh of relief while leaning my head back against the headrest. I then felt the car move again, as though someone was getting in, and I turned and looked to see her getting back in my car and closing the door. At this point, I was beyond horrified and very angry. I screamed at the top of my lungs, Lady, if you don't get out of my car, I will drag you out myself and call the cops. Get out now! She refused to move. I went from partly horrified to just plain angry, and I got out of the car, walked around to the passenger side, and opened the door. She looked up at me and calmly asked, What? in a confused tone. Either get out of my car now or I will drag you out. She then gave an angry huff and got out. I closed the door and turned around to walk back to my door when she then took a swing at me. Luckily, I have fast reflexes. I backed my head up and caught her wrist. I then physically turned her out of the way and gave her an aggressive shove. Not enough to knock her down, but enough to show her that I meant business. She then starts screaming at this other guy that was walking in the gas station, 
telling him that he needs to call the police because I hit her in the face. I firmly said, no, I didn't. And she turned around and she screamed, yes you did, yes you did you liar. I calmly said, fine, then I'm sure that all of these cameras out here will confirm your story and prove that I'm lying. She then gave a look of defeat, and I got back in my car and immediately locked the doors. After starting the car, I went into my vehicle settings and programmed my key fob to unlock just the driver's door instead of all of them. This meant that from now on, I have to push unlock twice on my key fob to unlock all doors. I wasn't about to let this type of thing happen ever again. I put the car in reverse, and my rear parking sensor went crazy. I looked behind me to see her standing there refusing to move. I called the police, and I explained everything to them, and they asked me to ask her to move. I informed her that I'm on the phone with the police and that she needed to move. She then huffed and got out of the way. I put the window back up and backed the car up and then put it in drive. As I was starting to roll forward, she hit my window with the side of her fist and then spit on it. I informed the police of that, which they also heard. I guess my car's Bluetooth is pretty good. So they asked me to describe her. They said they would send an officer to the scene. I asked if they needed me to stay, and they suggested that I leave, since she was clearly belligerent. I was relieved to get out of there. I was tired and had to work the next day. I didn't sleep very well that night. I had never experienced this type of thing before, and it was one of the creepiest moments of my life. Ever since then, I've been more cautious and aware of my surroundings. I would hate it if I ever ran into that woman again, sober or not. That was today's episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. Thank you so very much for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed these scary stories. If you want to support the channel further, please do consider checking out my YouTube channel. Just search As the Raven Dreams on YouTube and subscribing. You can also join the channel or go to my Patreon for early access to all of my content. All of it's appreciated and never expected. But if it happens, thank you. All that said, friends... I will see you on the next episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. But of course, until then, sleep well.